All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rewind Podcast, where we take a retrospective look at, at movies, TV shows, music, and video games, and talk about whether they're worthy now for the praise that they still get and their lasting impact. I'm Perry, and I'm here with my co-host, Zach. What's up, everybody? And uh, today, in the, in the uh, spirit of Halloween, we're doing a Halloween movie right around Halloween, doing Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so we... <laughs> We kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand. Um, me and Zach have pretty varying uh, intensities about how we feel about this movie. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so I'm, We're going to try to meet in the middle yeah. for this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to skewer uh, his his view on this a little bit into maybe a little more appreciation. Mm-hmm. But so like I said, we we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street it came out in 1984. Okay, it was made on uh, the 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 budget is estimated around like under one point five mil. Yeah, which is, I feel like that's even not that much back then. Oh, it was insanely so. To put it in perspective a little bit, um, the rough average around that time, um, so that includes like the blockbusters and like the independent films, so to speak. Um, the average was eighteen million, a little over eighteen million. Wow. So they're running on a like less than ten percent of that budget. Yeah, they're broke. They're broke, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like an interesting story too of how they kind of got the money. They didn't have the money when they st- so they were promised money by certain uh, companies, and uh, Wes Craven, who's writer director, he I was watching a documentary where he was talking about how his producer, uh, I think his name is Sean Cunningham, he tried to shop this around, try to find people to invest. He found uh, this one guy, Bob Shea, who's the only person that wanted to buy it after two years of looking for somebody to buy the movie and produce it and all that stuff. The only problem was Bob Shea, uh, he didn't have any money either. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you it starts out great. Yeah, it starts yeah. out as a great uh, story. <laughs> waiting around for nobody to have money um the interesting thing though is that bob shea started a new company called new line cinema and basically at that point he was just a distribution company he wasn't but he was he was distributing let's say uh risque films at that point yeah say no more (laughs) so at that point he wasn't really he hadn't hit anything big at that point um, and he was kind of, his funds were dwindling. Like the company, if he didn't find a movie that was going to make him money, mm-hmm. he, he, he would have, he would have been out of business very shortly. Um, so what kind of ended up happening is that Bob Shea was able to find people to fund the movie. Um, and there was like a few instances of people working for free for a week, basically, because for the exposure for the exposure yeah <laughs> uh-huh. um and stuff like that but we'll we can get into that a little a little later if it if it comes up because it, it is very interesting like it definitely came off like uh they really struggled to get this this movie made um and uh so on the 1.5 million budget the movie ended up making 
57 million dollars over 57 million dollars worldwide which is just insane it's an obs- it's it obscene, makes me upset yeah <laughs> like that's such an absurd like uh you can't get that kind of return anywhere else no <laughs> here i am investing in bitcoin and i should have just made a shitty horror movie <laughs> here we are yeah no that's that's gr- great great returns yeah um to 57 put it to one does like has any movie come close in any in like, terms of like ones. the ratio yeah i don't think so uh because that's like what a 50 that's 50 to one like return yeah that's let's crazy. call that a 50 to one return um no because even you talk about like the marvel movies uh, most of them are anywhere between two and three hundred million dollars to make. So that's an expensive movie. The the difference is that they're not making twenty billion dollars back on that. You know, no, <laughs> like, no. Do you know off the top of your head what the numbers are for like Endgame or some of the Marvel movies? Yeah, uh, Endgame I think was two seventy five budget. But and the thing is too is that when they talk about movie budgets, they don't put in the marketing. And the marketing oh, well, is well, that's yeah silly. The, right the uh, marketing is often almost double the original budget. So if somebody says, "Hey, uh, we just made a movie for twenty five million dollars. Now we got to go market it," they're expecting to pay twenty five million dollars to market it. Wow. Okay. Um. So essentially, to make a movie profitable, you have to quadruple your budget. Mm, yeah. Okay. To make it like worth the investment because you've got people to, um, like if you don't, if you, you don't want to just keep the lights on, you want right. to make money off the thing, yes, exactly. Yeah. It to for them to make it worthwhile for a movie studio to make it worthwhile, you have to like triple or quadruple your budget, yeah, that makes sense. Um, because basically, though, those movies end up funding the next movie or the next, you know, yeah, plus um, you got to account for all those movies that don't do well that right. you just waste money on, exactly. So. So yeah. if you hit it big with one movie, you're really hoping that you can, like I said, triple or quadruple that budget. Um, to start with how this movie kind of came to be and like going through all the money problems and all that stuff, the actual story when we're talking about uh, like the characters, it was really interesting because I, I, I often like think about how people kind of create these villainous, like murderous killers. Mm-hmm. And prior to this movie, um, the most popular horror films at the time were Friday the 13th and Halloween. Those had come out just a few years earlier. Two silent, stone-cold, like, they were played by stuntmen. There's no backstory to these characters. Right. They're just there to fuck people up. Right. Those, any other stories were made later and all that stuff. But what Wes Craven wanted to do differently was create a character that emoted that had some sort of like tangible human aspect to them there's some familiarity in a way so that's where kind of freddy krueger started Mm -hmm. um and what's funny is the the name freddy krueger is actually literally uh, a name of a bully that bullied wes craven when he was a kid and he was like it was just my final uh like kind of fuck you that's good payback that's nice yeah (laughs) and i was like oh that's pretty good (laughs) it's like he's like yeah the the guy's name is literally fred krueger yeah so change it or yeah he's like i didn't change anything he's like it's like that's literally his name (laughs) for him good for him bonus points to this movie i like it a little bit more now there you go (laughs) so uh this and so uh this movie is also known as the movie that saved 
New Line Cinema because of obviously the money that it made, but it also uh, jump started their ability to buy other movies and then mm. do that. Okay. So if you've never heard of New Line Cinema, you've definitely heard of these movies: uh, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Friday, Austin Powers, The Blade movies, Rush Hour, uh, Final Destination, The Lord of the Rings, and The Hobbit. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And and then it one and it two. Okay, so it's just like kind of classic slapstick humor horror movies and then the greatest trilogy of all time <laughs> okay well good job guys you're talking about the hobbit right <laughs> <laughs> obviously what else yeah, are we yeah. talking about <laughs> so this this series literally just changed a lot of things but it, it it is essentially the the reason that we have a lot of our favorite movies hmm. because you'd never know like even Peter Jackson had a hard time getting people to buy into a Lord of the Rings trilogy. And because Bob Shea had this experience with Friday the 13th or Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, he was able to recognize when there's an idea that not only can make money, but taking a talented storyteller and letting them do that. So that's, that's kind of like the nature of why you have such a, wide variety of movies by this this is a guy that likes to take chances yes he likes to take people that have have potential and let them like say all right let's see what you can do Mm -hmm. which is like an interesting way to do it because they definitely most (laughs) most studios do not do it like that now um so that's an interesting little little part of that um so let's talk about the story a little bit so if you if you've never I, I guess if you've never heard of Nightmare on Elm Street, never. Why heard are you Freddy listening Krueger? to this podcast? What? what are you doing? <laughs> this episode number one. Right. You haven't even seen the movie. Right. So if you, <laughs> I don't know how anybody doesn't like know who Freddy Krueger is. I guess in my mind, I never watched these types of movies when I was younger. My parents uh, would not have allowed this. Yeah, my parents no. wouldn't have allowed. Yeah, but along with that, I just never had an interest in them. Mm-mm. Um, so a lot of these were not in my wheelhouse of like things that I wanted to watch. You still knew what they were though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's kind of my point is that like, even if you don't, even if you've never even seen one of these types of movies, like these horror movies, you still know who's who and what's what and all that stuff. But if you need a little refresher, Freddy Krueger, he kills people through their dreams, their nightmares inconsistent powers of what god only knows what is going on there the things that he can do are kind of um overpowered at some points and then all of a sudden he can't take on a teenager anymore Mm -hmm. um so i get a little i think that's where i find my issues lie but i also try to not be too critical about those things because you think about the budget you think about the time was this like a groundbreaking film in its day? I don't think it was considered groundbreaking in the sense of like what it did on the camera. I think it was more so the idea or the fear that it put into people in a sense where you talk about like these these other killers were like they were just like there was nothing there, no emotion, no nothing. Um, they didn't have any like supernatural ability in a sense. It was mostly just 
It's just unexplainable, unexplainable thing that came like, back. Yeah. It was like vaguely killer. human, but not really. Right, exactly. So what was interesting about Freddy Krueger is that he talked, he's like, he had a side of him that felt a little comical, but also like in a very freaky way. Mm-hmm. Like he would just smile and he'd be like, like, you know, you would do the little hand thing where you put the hand up in the... He was having a good time. He was having a he good time. He was enjoying doing, himself. Right. Yeah. Which is, I he think... He was just having fun. Yes. And I think that's what created that fear for people or, like, that scary element to it is they were like, holy shit, we've never seen a killer having fun doing this. That's a good point. That's interesting. Yeah, because Jason, you don't see that guy smile. No. He's not having a good time. He's just angry. Right. And the but same with Freddy. Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, there's no sense of like. Oh, there's something about that like sadistic. Yes. Aspect of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's where people find that they, uh, they became more scary, and it was very like, holy shit, this guy is like, he's having fun doing this, Hmm. like torturing people, whereas the other ones felt like they were just like on a mission to kill everything in sight. Yeah. Which is a little less. They're more like force of nature, right. like like a bear that's coming at you. Yes. Like ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and and the bear is not as interesting as a, a deranged person, right? Chasing you through the forest, right? Yeah. And yelling to you and like playing a game with you, basically. Yeah, like merrily chasing you, right? Through a boiler room, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yep. So. All right. So basically. It might like to me. It seems obviously like very like cliche and very like watered down, um, yeah. from a twenty twenty two perspective. But yeah. I was kind of asking like you know back in the eighties this was new. This was right. like um, a development. It was progress forward in the the genre. Absolutely, it was a whole different aspect because it also wasn't real. Like the 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 murders were happening, in in a dream like in your dreams in your nightmares it wasn't so much about uh like this killer outside your window it's like you couldn't go to sleep or else he was gonna get you mm-hmm. and i think that's what created the phenomenon of like um of having him be that that character like that fear of like holy shit like he's gonna come at me in my dreams i can't go to bed tonight it offered up some interesting pacing for the movie, too. Yes. It was very clear, like, oh, this is about to be intense or not. Like, you yeah. knew, in a way, like, what was coming. Yeah, which is, that's another part of it that it, it's interesting because you know when it's coming. Like, you know when he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's, and then you also have the aspect of, like, um, you don't know when it is and it isn't a dream. Like, Wes Craven said that he, he made it a conscious effort to make the audience member not know when it was when you transitioned. So that's why you have the scenes of, like, her in the school where she's, like, it's after the first couple of, like, murders. And she's falling asleep in her class. It was after the first one. She's falling asleep in the classroom. She looks over and she sees her friend in the body bag. But you don't you don't actively see her fall asleep. Mm, oh, Yeah. Okay, good point. So there's stuff like that where he actively tried to make you not know what was real and when it wasn't, which creates the whole thing at the end where you – Like what is What is going on? Yeah. Made me um, furious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that because there's, there's, uh, there's a few points I want to make at the end because there are some, there are some aspects of it that I, I did not care for, but there are reasons for it. 
and they're explained after. Um, so one of the things, so uh, essentially what happens is you're 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 brought into um, this teenager's world, Tina. Uh, she's like your normal your normal teenager. Um, and what was interesting is that you're kind of seeing her as the protagonist. And it starts with, off that way. It starts off that way. And all of a sudden, 11 minutes into the film, she's dead. She's the first kill. And that kind of throws you for a loop because I totally forgot about that part. I've saw, I saw this movie probably three or four years ago, and I totally forgot that that happened. And I mean, it was basically a throwaway character. Right. She was just there to set it up. But right. it, it does switch perspectives. Yeah. Because it, it frames her as the protagonist. I didn't realize it until like maybe 30 minutes later because it seemed like it was going to be a movie that jumped around from character to character. Right. And then all of a sudden it was just stuck on this girl. It's like, oh, okay, I guess this is the main character now. But right. That was, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. And that's that's an interesting – like it, you don't often see that because it, it um, in an interview – Wes Craven said that he's like, I want this to feel like I want it to throw off the audience. It certainly did. Right. I want to take this character. I want to focus on them and have them be the first death. Cause he's like, after that I have them in terms of like focusing on the screen. Cause now you're in a state of confusion. Now you're in a state of like that anxiety of like, Oh, he just took this person that you spent the first like, 10 or 12 minutes of the movie getting to know and then they're dead and then they're dead now what now who like what happens after that um and now you're invested in that question exactly you want to know right so this was kind of like the interesting part of where i was kind of looking at it um but ultimately it, it just comes down to a few people like the original girl tina who dies her boyfriend gets blamed for it they arrest him while he's in the jail cell. Freddie comes to him and kills him as well. Um, this is where Nancy, the true main character of the, the story, she starts to become the focus more so. And she starts to try to figure out like what the hell is going on. Um, so she goes through a few things where she can't sleep. Her mom takes her to the, <laughs> the, the sleep center, the sleep center yeah. where she's like, She's claiming that she's having these awful nightmares that feel real and all this stuff. And so her mom's first instinct is to, like, bring her somewhere where she has to sleep. Which, hey, good for good for them. Like, good idea. That's well, probably what they should have done. Well, I, oh, I think a psychologist would have been, like, Well, they didn't have those back then. Sure they, the yeah, they did. Well, well, it was they did. But it like, was stigmatized. Really. But if your kid's freaking out about nightmares and having awful sleep patterns and doing all this stuff there's probably an underlying psychological issue that's yes well, i mean yeah. from my own professional opinion <laughs> oh yeah i'm just an accountant but like yeah no for sure <laughs> so like i don't know it just seemed kind of like counterintuitive because well, I, I had a moment where they they brought her to the sleep center and i was thinking like okay well is science gonna like solve this problem for us and it did not at all, <laughs> not even close. It they actively they were they were very bad at their jobs. Right, I think. Yeah, well, and that was the thing. Like it, you're literally sitting there, and then obviously this is where we find out that 
um, when she goes into the dream and she has her we don't see the battle but we see what the people are seeing on the outside watching her battle Freddy Krueger from like the outside perspective and when she wakes up she has his hat and she has cuts on her arm that's when we start to realize okay like if you're holding on to something it and you wake up it's with you well it like reveals one of the mechanics of freddy's powers yes we get a little bit more insight as the audience into what this guy is how it works yeah because we've had no explanations so far absolutely yeah and that's that's one of the hard parts is like uh, what I find with these older movies is that the world building doesn't always pan out the way you want it to. So I think people are were a lot more accepting of just, oh, it happened in the movie. It happened. That's just that's just what happens. Whereas like nowadays, I think people are a lot more critical about world building. And Our like, standards are a lot higher nowadays. Yeah. So when we go into one of these kind of movies – we like there to be some sort of like tangible explanation or consistency at least yeah exactly otherwise it does feel a little like they're cheating for for good reason i think there's i think there's like a there's a plateau where you're you're getting over explanation like over explanations and like it's not so much like people are more concerned about it being super scientific rather than like who cares yeah, you gotta like be able to suspend disbelief for a certain amount of yeah, you know, scenes in the movie or like, you're not gonna always get a very scientific explanation. No, and I don't think any, he's I a killer <laughs> in a in a in a green and and red sweater, <laughs> and he has knives for yeah. fingers. Yeah, like what do you really want <laughs> us right. to say here? I think that's that's yeah, it, and it's enough. I think in this movie to like okay, go all right. I, I understand like what what the idea is, so eventually, uh, her mom, Nancy's mom, explains to her that her and a bunch of other parents in the neighborhood, I guess, yeah, killed I, him. I guess they just kind of dropped that out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> You're okay, sweetie. Mommy killed Freddy. Right. Like, what on earth are you talking about, lady? You all just casually committed murder. Yeah, like uh, the fact that he he was like a child killer and he got out because of some like loophole in the system or something. I can't remember exactly what such an elaborate story told <laughs> so quickly by a drunk woman in her mid forties. Just it was too much. It was too, <laughs> it was too much to drop so quickly yeah. with no explanation. And then it's like, Oh, okay. And then we found him. And we we took care of it or something like whatever the lines. and I'm like and we hunted oh, him down oh, we shit. covered him in gasoline yeah. and then your sweet mother lit that man on yeah. fire. <laughs> I'm like oh my god, I'm like that's 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 a heavy burden to wear. Like, like I think I think you guys are kind of fucked up. Right. I don't know about that. Yeah. And I think that's where it becomes like okay that's where I that's where it takes me out of it a, like that's where I become like uh, like we didn't really need that like. Mm-hmm. It was just, it's such a, such a flat it was uh, a, backstory yeah, for it, him. It felt a little forced that yes. there had to be a connection to the mom without there being like a, a more uh, investing background. You know, yeah, it was weirdly elaborate with just offered zero explanation as to like why he was hunting down people now. Right, exactly. So I think that's, that's where I think it, it lacked a little bit. But ultimately, 
uh, ultimately they they she figures out that if she can hold on to him, when she wakes up, he'll be in back. He'll be back in the real world, and they can arrest him or kill him, whatever. Again. Again. Yeah. Uh, second time's a charm. Who knows? <laughs> hey man. So uh, yeah, so she discovers that she can bring him back out. That yeah. mechanics revealed, and all of a sudden, Nancy decides to go after Freddy, which I liked that change in the movie. I did too. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I don't like scary movies. I don't like being scared. It's just not an <laughs> enjoyable feeling for me. So that was I, that was pleasant. Yeah. From For, for me as a viewer, I, I liked that it took that turn. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. I, I feel less afraid now. This is fun. Right. And I think that's a good um, turn of events to make it from your classic horror kind of thing. To to almost more of a thriller at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where that's where I kind of got back into it. Is where she mm-hmm. decides to like take matters into her own hands, so to speak. I wonder if that made it more accessible to the general public. Do you think more people would have enjoyed it with that kind of an atmosphere as opposed to just straight horror all the way through? Absolutely. I think that's I think that helped a lot hmm. bring people in because now it was like um it went from she's being terrorized and now she's she's like fuck it i'll do it myself kind of thing yeah uh, fuck around and find out right yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah i think that i think that definitely helped like uh keep people invested into it because at that time horror movies were just starting to become mainstream in that sense yeah horror as a genre what i mean when did that even start because who do you know that reads horror that like that really like, reads horror i don't I think no i guess i mean okay there's stephen king he's pretty popular but right i don't know that i've ever read a book and been truly scared by it right i've read a lot of short stories on reddit and things like that that could kind of, <laughs> get, that get kind of spooky but not of like a mainstream level of popularity absolutely yeah so yeah that, that's that's interesting to me i wonder if there are a lot of people who um became interested in horror because of these movies yeah absolutely yeah, yeah yeah well because it, it i mean just the uh nightmare on elm street is they've got nine movies in the series too many too many halloween has seven i think j uh like the friday the 13th they have i think six seven something like That's that so many yeah and a lot and it's just kind of like you know you, you it's they cannot be that different from each other. No. It's the same thing as Call of Duty. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, I really think that this, the reason it got so popular is not so much because it was revolutionary and like in the way that it was made or the storytelling, but I think it did the things that it wanted to do well on the budget that it had. Because there's only really a few special effects that just really didn't work for me. They... It, it felt as if they had them and tried to just fit them in some way. Yeah. Where, where Freddy, like, cuts off his fingers or yeah. you get this weird quick shot of somebody, like, melting into ooze. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's neat that you guys could do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the movie. Yeah. I think the, the chopping off the fingers, I mean, that's that's just, like, you know. It's like, just for fun. Yeah. He's just having a good time. Right. Again, back to this whole thing. Yeah, because he's just trying to mess with them. He's just fucking crazy. Right. Or, like, when he cuts open his stomach and, like, all the maggots come out and stuff. Like, 
Yeah, they're just oh. they're just gross. It's just yeah. like disgusting. It's yeah. not actually scary. It's just it's more like revolting. Ugh. Yeah, I think the t- the two effects that didn't work for me, um, when he has like the long arms going down the alleyway, that just that was unnecessary. Like yeah, he I only like did that once. Yeah. That one time. And I was like, why? Like why? And he ends up chasing this girl all around the house, and it's like, hey, don't you have like fucking extendable, extendable arms? arms? Like, <laughs> why don't you just grab her? Right. But no. Yeah, I think that's where those parts like I'm like that's just a wasted shot. Like that was just a waste of time because it doesn't do anything to the character. No. Like you could do something different to show that he can manipulate his body, but like also, it does build that sense of like it's his world completely. It does. Yeah, I guess that's. I true. guess there's that. But also, like if you if you start with a character that can do that, like that you show that the character can manipulate their body like that, you can't show them getting beaten by things that could be altered by them just doing the simple thing that you told like you show them doing there are a lot of inconsistencies right and i think that's where nowadays it's it's easier to look at those things because we have that lens about it but it's it's really tough to like imprint that on a movie from that was almost 40 years old it yeah it is hard to hold them up to today's standards right especially on a budget that's already considered you low gotta budget. judge it for its for its time right and I think that they did a lot of cool things with the budget that they had, like the, um, the one scene where the, it's the first kill where Tina is getting lifted onto the ceiling and stuff. They had a rotating set, and that's how they did that. They had everything so they flipped strapped it upside down. down. Yeah, it was kind of like the in like an Inception where they have the rotating that, corridor. Yeah. That is from stuff that they did for this movie. Like those kind of concepts came out because of. Them trying I to imagine they probably out. did the same thing when uh, Glenn, just like the fucking sewer pipe opens up out of his it bed. It was the same thing. They yeah. just flipped the set upside down, changed out the, the like, stuff that was his room. Yep. And then it's just the blood coming down. Sense. Yeah. Yep. Somebody got electrocuted. Really? Because of that. Yeah, because of the light. Oh, what, so the light got wet? So when it falls wet? onto the light, oh. the current went all the way up the stream, and the person that was running it got like a little bit of a shock. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I like that yeah so it, it, there's a lot of things that are like good about the effects that they did like the um, where he's coming through the wall that is a cool effect i don't care what anybody says but the reason that they were able to do it so well like that is because spandex had just started like had just come out oh okay and they were like oh how how would we do something like this and the prop or the like the set designer and like the guy that was designing all this like these effects um he was he was like in he was like in my head i was i thought of this new material that was coming out called spandex so he went down to the store it cost them like i think he said like five bucks that's it to make that like that make that hey if they're gonna be creative and like clever about it like yeah good for them i guess you can do shit like that right so it's uh it's stuff like that that i i tend to appreciate those things a lot um it's just good movie making right and it's like desperation causes cre- like creative like solutions sure so um so i i think ultimately when i'm looking at it i i can't help to like judge it on a little bit with a bias with this this lens but so you um, want to give credit where credit is due i want to give the credit for what they were that it came to, from yeah. a different time right still hated it though yeah <laughs> i will never watch it again that's fair i think the part that kind of turned me off most from it was the end 
Oh, mine was all of the scenes between Nancy and her mother and the yeah. absolutely god awful acting yeah. that those two displayed. Yeah, the the acting and dialogue was very dry. Um I don't know why it bothered me so much, but every time she said mother instead of mom, like she would Who be yelling like mother, mother. And I'm like, you're not yelling mother when somebody's grabbing onto you. You're you're like mom, you know, like you're not yelling mother, mother. I feel like that's just like it's just a strange. Maybe that was an '80s thing. I guess back then, maybe but that, maybe that's the. But she says "mom" at other parts in the movie, so that's why it got me. It, it bothered me a little too much, I think, for something really tiny like that. But at the same time, it's like, if it takes you out, it takes you out. But the one thing that really bothered me was the awful effect of the mom getting pulled through the window. Oh my god, that was so bad. It was obviously just like a little dummy that oh they. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> awful, so awful. And I'm just like, I'm like, you had like pretty good effects, like practical effects for the time. They still like some of them still hold up, you know. They still look cool, and then you have this ending where you just totally throw all of that out there, like out the window, because at it's. For... A, I feel like it's better not to have done it than to have done it poorly. Exactly. I get that if you. If that is the best they could do for that stunt, like fair enough, but maybe just right. don't do the stunt if it's gonna be that bad and take people out of the movie so, like, exactly. abruptly. Yeah, and that's that's one of my biggest things is I'm like that was so unnecessary. Like it was just unnecessary for him to pull her through the window like that. Yeah, and have it be that bad looking. I will say when he got lit on the fire, that shit was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that was that. all practical. The guy was in that. And what's funny is the guy was actually only originally supposed to go up the stairs once and fall, mm-hmm. but he ended up going up the stairs, going up to the door, falling down. He fell down the stairs, and then got back up and then did the fall. Okay, he so he was on it. fire for a while. Yes, he extended it like twenty extra seconds. See, that's a lot of time when you're on fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then apparently they put him out, and he stands up and he goes, "How'd that look?" They're like, you fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Insurance isn't going to cover you right. burning alive. <laughs> I did like the little context of him saying, like, no, not again, when she was, like, pouring gas oh, on yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. like, he knew it was coming. He yeah. was like, oh, this sucked the first time around. Yeah, he's like, why yeah. are you always me getting set on fire? <laughs> why can't you be set on fire? Yeah, and then he gets fucked up all these, like, Home Alone MacGyver little traps. <laughs> and apparently she's just like jury rigging explosives in her home yeah and she made it in 20 minutes by the way which she told her dad like be back in 20 minutes and then goes on a like three hour montage of setting (laughs) up like a war zone it's like all right that's cool good for you nancy (laughs) but still unrealistic yeah absolutely um yeah there's a lot of uh necessary suspension of disbelief um you know it is what it is i guess it's definitely not in in a sense a movie that i necessarily need to watch again um no i I don't want to just sit here and complain about it the entire time but (laughs) you know i don't know there there were a lot of things that like even for the 80s felt like you know kind of low-hanging fruit for them to have like cleaned up which you know however i feel about it it was still a blockbuster movie it made again like 50 to 1 returns so doesn't really matter if I liked it or not. Like it was still a, a cultural classic. People yeah. dress up as Freddy like every Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, uh, what I want to kind of talk about is the the ending. So the ending kind of leaves off. She defeats she quote unquote defeats Freddy by 
taking his power from him and saying that he's not real. It's just in the nightmares. She just just wished him away. Wished him away. <laughs> and, because uh, Glenn read it in a book somewhere right. <laughs> and mentioned offhandedly, like, hey, if you really believe that he's not going to kill you, he won't. Right. And then that was that was the answer. Yeah. You can't light him on fire. You have to just, like, believe really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking his power away, though. Mm-hmm. That's that's the idea. Yeah, it was fine. I think I think that that works for me enough that okay. like his power comes from the belief like that people are in the reality that he's going to kill them and that's what causes his That's power an to interesting grow. mechanic. Yeah. I think that's a cool mechanic. I think it's just underexplained or Very like much under so. yeah. underutilized. Yeah, it was kind of just like dropped in at the end. Yeah. Either way, I think the way that like it leaves off. I I don't mind movies leaving off with a question, um, of what like came next. Well, that's what, what made next. Inception so great. Right. Exactly. That was the ending. So, I have no problem with that. I think this one was just executed weirdly, and I th- and the reason for that a lot of it is because they didn't actually know how they wanted to end it, so they took four or five different alternate takes of different endings. So I, I wrote them down. So there's one that Wes Craven originally wanted. That defeated Freddy. They get into the car and they drive away into the sunset kind of thing. They're done. And that's it. Okay. The problem was the producer was like, well, what if we want to do a sequel? Like, what if Damn. we want to make more? And it's like, all right, well, how, how do we leave that open? Well, we leave it open by making it so, okay – Freddy's not actually dead. How do you show that? Well, then Wes was like, okay, well, why don't we have the the kids do a jump rope? And that, I guess, was... I, I can't remember exactly where that landed in the movie prior, but apparently that was part of, like, the indication that... They did have, like, a nice slow shot right. on the, uh, the kids jump roping. Yeah. I figured it meant something. I don't remember where it was earlier in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I couldn't remember either. Um... He, so he, he basically was like, oh, I'll take that, and that'll be the indication that it's still a dream. Producer was like, we need to make it a little more obvious. So then that's when they started taking alternate takes. So the, the original uh, was one of them, kids riding off into the sunset. The next one is essentially everything that happens in the real ending happens, but instead of when they're driving away, Freddy's in the driver's seat. Like, you actually see Freddy in the driver's seat. Okay. But then that's a little too obvious. Like, <laughs> the last one was just they drive away without any indication that Freddy's alive, and then you see the girls jumping rope. And that that's kind of... Wasn't the convertible, the roof, also yeah. colored like his sweater? Yep. Originally, that didn't happen. Well, that was a nice, subtle touch. I like that. Yeah. It was a good way of indicating that he was still in the game. See, I would have taken that out. I think I think what it comes down to is my favorite one in, I, in the idea of it is the one where they just drive away and then there's the girls playing jump rope. Very subtle. It's subtle enough, but it's also like, that's not part of this. You know, like that 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 was part of like a, the other dreams or whatever, whatever it was. And that to me is enough for me to be like, oh, there's more to that. 
without being too like on the nose yeah because then you have the mom getting pulled through the fucking window and it's like did that happen at the very end yeah okay and i'm just like i forgot where that was i hate that i hate it so much yeah because it just goes right back into the last climax scene of the movie it's like surprise it wasn't done yeah which which always kind of feels like a cop-out Although her waking up from the dream and everybody being alive was like, oh, it was all just a dream the right. entire time. Like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. That's so annoying. But then it ends up that, like. And then once he came back, I, I forgave him. Yeah. I was like, I was too quick to judge. I'm sorry. Because, like, yeah, now, because now that opens the door of, like, what was what has actually been real this entire time? Which is, like, actually not that bad. Right. That's okay. That's cool. Because then you're like, okay, wh- how. How powerful is Freddy in this world? You know. Yeah. All of a sudden, he just becomes this like all-encompassing figure. Exactly. Where he, yeah, because you keep battling back and forth with like how much control Freddy actually has versus right. the people in the movie, and that's kind of very ambiguous. Right. All the way through, and then you find out at the end that no, no, Freddy's Freddy's a big man in charge the right. whole time. Exactly. And so that that's that makes me want to like see the next one. It does have uh, an allure to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, do they dive into this in a better way? And then you mm. look at the IMDb ratings, and you're like, no, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> I might, on a rainy day, I might. But I I feel like they only drop in quality. There, There's no uptick anywhere down the line. Like, three or four isn't, right. isn't just good. Yeah. They're all bad. I, I think that's the case. Because yeah. I even looked at the, the most recent one that was made, and I think that's got, like, a 5.4, which yeah. is, like, not terrible. Dude, horror movies horror don't movies. get good reviews No. Uh, in this day and age. No, At least don't. not really. Every now and then you get one, like, the Babadook that has, like, crazy good ratings right. for some reason. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But I think to kind of round out this final couple minutes, I want to run through some fun facts i guess you can decide if they're fun or not um, i will be the judge of this yeah so fun fact number one filming only lasted one month that is fun that's insane that is that's so fast the average nowadays and i think it was pretty similar in the 80s maybe it was probably a little less in the 80s in terms of time but the average nowadays or in the last 20 years that i i found the they did the data for whatever the average is a little over three months that is still shorter than I would have imagined. So that's just the filming, though. So that that's not like pre-production. That's not cinematography. Like, uh, like sh- that's not the, you know, that's that's strictly like actors on set acting. Okay. All right. But yeah, they so they did it in like less around a third of the time, for a th- fraction of the cost. Fraction of the cost. Fun fact number two, uh, originally the colors of Freddy's sweater were red and yellow, but Wes read an article that said that the that red and green were much more contrasting to the eye, so to create like an unconscious, unsettling look to him, he changed the colors from red and yellow to red and green, because it would automatically cause your mind to be like, ugh. There's just something about yeah. it. Everybody's a yeah. Red and yellow would have been weird. Yeah. I wouldn't. I can't really picture that very well. 
Yeah. And the red and green, I mean, it's a classic. Right. But it's also, for your brain and your eyes, it's the most contracting colors. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Or contrasting, whatever I'm saying. Have I been saying contrasting? <laughs> we'll play it back and we'll find out. I don't <laughs> so know. find out when I'm editing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, fun fact number three, the glove that they wore on set for most of the most of the shooting uh, had actual real-ass sharp knives. That is fun. I like that. That's cool. A, a, so one of the stories is that when uh, Robert Englund first put on the, the thing, he went like this, he closed his hand, and cut himself. <laughs> Dummy. I was like, why do we have real <laughs> knives Yeah. on set? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, one that we still have not learned the lesson <laughs> of in recent times. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Very unnecessary. I was just like, what is the, like, you you can't tell if they're sharp or not. Yeah, there's no reason for there's it, but no... I, I still it still kind of makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know. Just, I think it's neat that it they... It seems so stupid. Just for fun. <laughs> yeah, well, they're dirt broke making a monster movie. Like, why not fuck around a little well, bit? Well, the have a crazy good time. thing is... They're talking on the, uh, they're like sitting there and they're talking about it on the, like the documentary and they're like laughing about it. Cause, uh, the girl or the actress who played Nancy was saying that like, uh, whenever they had like close shots of like Freddie grabbing her or whatever, she would have to ask Robert Englund. She'd be like, are those the, are those the real knives or the prop knives? And well, what were they? Sometimes they didn't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, you're playing with fire there a little bit. A little bit. But it's the 80s. I mean, they're, you know. They're just, just it was the wild, wild west of filmmaking. Safety wasn't invented until the 90s. That's so right. they didn't know any better. <laughs> and even then, we're still working on it. Mm -hmm. um, we have a long way to go. <laughs> so in the, uh, the boiler room, this is fun fact number four. The boiler room that they filmed in. Uh, they found out a year later ended up having uh, asbestos. Yeah, but didn't everything have asbestos back then? Everything has. Asbestos. Wasn't that a thing? That's why. That's why everybody's parents nowadays are. Uh, They're like, oh, this paint from the eighteen hundreds had lead in it. Yeah, like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a boiler room in the eighties <laughs> is made out of purely asbestos. <laughs> have you taken a look at your grandparents lately? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so that's that's the last one because I my last fun fact was going to talk about the several. Uh, alternate endings but we already we already covered that so i guess when it comes to my final question would be is this still an entertaining movie are you asking me yeah um i am too picky of a person <laughs> to have been entertained by this movie like i told you i had i was legitimately just like angry the entire time <laughs> the entire time just you were doing Arthur punching I, his fist I took, in the No, well, I took I took notes the whole way through in preparation for this podcast. I did yeah. my homework, yeah. and I was reading them back. And like a couple different times, I wrote just terrible acting. <laughs> That's all I had to say. Just terrible acting. It brought it just brought me out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, no, it's not my. I'm never watching it again in my life. <laughs> did you like it though? Did you have a good time? I I would say I had a good enough time. Okay. Like good enough, review. good enough for me to say, yeah, I didn't waste an hour and a half, because okay. there was there was things that I could appreciate about it. There was things that I like, uh, some like interesting things that I learned from like 
researching it. But from a perspective of like, if somebody had never seen it before and they asked me if it was worth watching, I think I would have two answers. I'd be like, if you appreciate old film. Which sure. I, I do not, by the way. Right. That's a thing I have to give a lot of old films credit where like I it, they're just not for me. Yeah. I just don't like it very well. Yeah. Very much. And so there's definitely like an aspect of that that's fair. Like if mm-hmm. you're if it just doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for I you. I also don't like horror movies. So right. <laughs> like I hit the I hit you with the yeah. double whammy this week. You really did, yeah. <laughs> um and then if if they don't appreciate like or if they don't have a interest in old movies, then I would just be like, "Nah." But if they did, then I would say, "Yeah, why not?" But I think that's where it it that's where it's hard for me to just say yes or no to a sense just because i'm like well there's i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest it from like a a like being entertained perspective mm-hmm. it's more of like a historical like hey this was very important culturally and like you should right. know about it yeah it's a good movie to have seen maybe not a good movie to go and watch yeah that's fair well i think that it will be the last the last bit of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode of the Rewind Podcast. I am Perry. I'm with my co-host, Zach. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>